dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. The life of the Virgin Mary is the tale of a hero. In the face of great obstacles and great opposition, Our Lady demonstrated leadership in the most excellent of ways. She goes before us as a mother and a queen, but it can be easy to overlook the harrowing and trying circumstances in which she lived. Learning about her heroism helps us in our own. Hi, everybody, and thanks for coming. I'm I'm so glad to be in your presence today. Every time I get a chance to preach about the Virgin Mary, it always makes me happy. I think that we can never speak enough about the marvels of God and the power of His grace and the depth of His salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is, is the one and true mediator between God and men in whom all of our salvation uh, subsists and, and who gives His holiness to this world. And, and yet, what's amazing to me is that so many people seem to be far from that holiness. So many people listening right now feel like you're in the bottom of the pit. You feel like you just don't have no way out, and that no one cares about you. That in the end, you have to fight this epic battle of your life, and maybe you'll make it, and maybe you won't, and no one really cares one way or the other. That's how we can feel sometimes. And, and yet... As a priest, I'm constantly in the pulpit and, I, and in the media saying loud and clear, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. But people don't seem to be able to hear that. And I don't know why. I, 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 you can say it a million different ways. You can say it a million different times. And yet the same, the same reticence rests in our hearts. We, we are slow to believe that he actually is risen from the dead and that he really did die for me, and that he really did rise for me. It's just like there's like a bridge between the truth of, the, of grace and the misery of our own hearts at times, and our own challenges, the realism of our challenges at times. And to, to bridge that chasm becomes really the focal point of all of our preaching. This is why I love to speak about the Virgin Mary, because honestly, by looking at her and understanding her life, we can understand how someone before us made that bridge. Someone walked that before us from this pathway into faith. And not only did she walk it, but she walked it like a queen. And and the, the way her victory was spelled out came in the circumstances that were everything to the contrary. We think sometimes that because our circumstances are so tough and what we're facing inside of our own hearts is so embroiled or so mixed up that we're, that she's not like us and that we can never be, 
you know, a believer like her, you know, surrendered to Jesus like she was. We say, no, it's impossible because I'm getting sued and I'm losing my job and my health is gone and I've got, you know, back pains and I've got neuropathy and, you know, my dog is dying to boot, right? (laughs) We can just, and, and sometimes that's exactly what our lives are. We're just living through seasons of life that are very, very uncomfortable. And during those uncomfortable seasons, we allow that discomfort sometimes to come into our little hearts and to discourage us. And I say, oh, yes, you see, you, you don't amount to anything. And I'm looking at you and I'm saying, you amount to an amazing hero because the very strength with which you're weathering this storm, this strength that's inside of you, it's the fruit of years of training and years of work and grace in God. And here you are at age 47, still fighting that fight. You've gone through your divorce. You're fighting for your kids. You don't have enough money to make ends meet. And yet there you are in the fray. And then you turn around and you say, this is a proof that I'm a failure. And I'm like, honey, as long as you're still fighting, it's a proof that you are successful. And there's so many other examples like that. You know, you're you're engaged in your business life. And so you, you don't have time to go and dedicate as much time to prayer as you'd want to because you're trying to launch your business. And so you say, you see, Father, I'm a great sinner. And I just point you to all the saints who said the same thing as they were endeavoring great things. There's, you know, there's so many things in our minds that keep us back. And they keep us from crossing that, that threshold of hope or spanning the chasm of despair by this bridge called faith. And that's why I want to speak to you about Mary. So before I do, let's bow our heads and just begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed Mother, we, we ask you to intercede for us, to pray for us, to mother us this day. For all of us who have discouragement in our hearts and negativity, we ask that you draw near. Wrap us in your mantle. Teach us how to hope in God, how to believe in God, and how to follow God every day of our life. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, one of the first things that's remarkable about the life of the Virgin Mary is the circumstances in which she lived. I mean, we all know Mary was in Nazareth, right? And then we all know that everyone made fun of Nazareth. (laughs) It's kind of like when John Denver made that song about Toledo, Ohio, right? I travel around the country. People say, where are you from, Father? I say, from Toledo. And then they say, oh, like that John Denver song. And then they start singing it to me. And it's just a terrible thing, right? Well, people make fun of your hometown, and so Mary, Mary lived in a town they made fun of. Neil Armstrong, the very first man to walk on the face of the moon, was born in a small town in western Ohio named Wapakoneta. Right? Who's ever heard of Wapakoneta? And yet an incredible man who went from the earth to the moon and back was born and reared right there. Our Lady finds herself in Nazareth. And it's not just in Nazareth, but in many of the circumstances, we're going to go through them in her life, where in fact it looks like You know, there's no reason for her to have pride. Her country was occupied by the Romans. This was not the Israel of King David with all the tribes united in a single kingdom and David going out and, you know, and and securing peace for his land. 
This was not the Israel of Moses, where they're all united and going behind Moses into the promised land, you know, to follow Joshua across the River Jordan and into the land of conquest. This was an Israel that had grown old, that it had corrupt politicians running it, okay? The kings of Israel, it says in the Bible, that one was worse than his father in a successive line, right? They just go right downhill to the point where in the end you find yourself with, with the Romans occupying the land. And they occupied Israel with brutality. This was not a gentle occupation. Uh, tax collectors, for example, we think of, of St. Matthew, the tax collector. Well, they, these were Israelites that the Romans would say, we will protect you and we will enforce your desire to gain as much money as you can from your countrymen. As long as you, get, you pay us this amount, you can extort the rest using our forces. And there was St. Matthew before his life with Christ, sitting there giving his life to wealth, ill-gotten at the expense of his own countrymen. The betrayal, when, when you mess with Rome, you got crucified, okay? That hung out to die of thirst. And this is just, I mean, you can keep on going from the, the levels of the, the domination that they felt. And then there was no prophet. The last prophet before Christ, 400 years before Christ. It had been 400 years since the prophet had walked the land. You think the faith was in good shape? You know, you, you take a look at Herod, the, the Tetrarch. Remember, remember Herod? What, I mean, Herod marries his brother's wife. That's his sister-in-law while his brother is still alive, by the way. And then, and then allows himself to be seduced by the dance of his own stepdaughter. How old must she have been? I mean, the, the disgusting circumstances in which he lived. And this was the king at the time, a, a, a ruler in Israel. Their rulers were corrupt. Their country's culture was broken. The religious attitude of the people was one that was lukewarm, if not corrupt, also to, in, in the hearts of many, not of all, but in the hearts of many. The desire for the Messiah was, was wavering. And in this very circumstance, the highest heights of holiness walk the face of the earth. Remember when Christ walks around the countryside, people possessed by the devil are shrieking out left and right. You got people who, who are possessed by the devil walking around the land, and evidently quite a few of them. And, and this is, it's in there where, where demons are possessing people, yet you have the Virgin Mary being called to exercise the motherhood of God. St. Joseph protecting the family. St. Peter walking on water, right? There's an incredible amount of contrast. And it's to go to show you that it's not the circumstances that you find yourself in now that dictate the course of your future action. It is the call and the grace of God who lifts you up and summons you forward that directs the course of your feet. We must not let our lives be dictated by the defeat that surrounds us more than by the victory that is given to be within us. Our God did not die on the cross to see you and I make excuses for the triumph of evil. He did not die on the cross for you and I to end up telling him all the reasons why we didn't do the good things that we could have done. 
We do not draw our life and our strength from the forces that are outside of us. We turn to the one who lives within us in the power of his spirit. And this is exactly what Our Lady demonstrates by her own life. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. The circumstances of the life of the Virgin Mary at the moment of the Annunciation were, of course, appalling, right? She lives in a forgotten city in the, in the, hill, in the hillsides, right, of Galilee, far from Jerusalem and the city's capital. Her country's occupied, right? She, she had, they haven't had a prophet in 400 years. There's all kinds of corruption of the leadership. The, everyone above her seems to have forgotten about God. Even the Pharisees, for all of their good piety, there are certainly some sides to them that are not very good and that our Lord calls out as being corrupt, right? John the Baptist, when he, he speaks to them, says, you are a brood of vipers, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and yet it's exactly there that God comes. And Mary has to walk by a different light than by what she sees around her. It's not, it's not that we don't see things as they are and call them what they are, that we don't live in a Pollyanna kind of environment where we just deny things that are bad and act like everything is going to be okay when it's not. Our Lady saw the pain of her people. She was the one that went to Jesus at the wedding at Cana and said, they have no wine. She was painfully aware of the sufferings of, that were surrounding her. But she did not let those sufferings or the seeming defeat around her dictate her course of action or the climate of her heart. This is the lesson that she shows us, her great vision. The vision is that bare, by which we direct our course. It's, it's to have a vision, it's to know where you're going. Every army needs a general and every general needs a plan, right? And so Our Lady, if we're going to call her a leader, you'd say, well then, what was her plan? And you look at the plan of Our Lady. It's completely written by God. She shows a courage by walking in the light of what the angel Gabriel spoke to her that we need today. For our light comes to us in our circumstances from the word of God and his teaching in the Catholic Church, the interpretation of scripture given to us by the living magisterium of the church in accord with the tradition of its interpretation over 2,000 years is a clear and a clarion call that speaks words of hope and an audacity to us as we are called to engage a broken world and bring healing. See, our, blessed are the peacemakers, right? But this, this call to bring healing and to bring peace is not an easy one. It actually summons all of our strength because we are fighting a brokenness in humanity and that brokenness that pushes back against us that says you will not win 
It's like trying to rear a child, right? A two-year-old, a three-year-old. There's like this battle of wills that takes place. And woe to the mother or to the father that gives up on their parenting because it's, it's difficult or the child pushes back. Woe to us if we say to our world, you're right, you're just too broken. You're going to go on being racist. You're going to go on being sexist. You're going to go on being, you know, or you're going to go on being, you know, uh, uh, having an unjust vision of the role of women and men in the world. You know, we can just keep on going and saying, you know what, the world will go to its own failure. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. But it, this is not the call. The call is not for us to let the world go. The call is for us to lead the world back to God, to teach people faith, to proclaim Jesus Christ in season and out, to, to bring people to love one another from the heart, to witness to a secular world of the glory of faith. And so who's going to do that? The people who have the right vision. This is why following Our Lady is so important. What was her vision? She heard the word of the angel Gabriel that she, though a virgin, would conceive in her womb and bear a son, and that she would name him Jesus. Okay, so that was it. As great will be his dignity. He will be called Son of the Most High, and he will be given the throne of his father David, and his kingdom will have no end. Well, there you go. So Mary's like, okay. So then she looks around. She's like, how will this be? And the angel doesn't give her a really good answer. <laughs> I mean, it's a great answer. It's the perfect answer. It's the answer is God's going to tell you. But like Mary's not given a human answer. She has to totally turn to God to understand her life. And only to God to understand her life. There has never been a virgin mother before. And there has never been one since. She's in complete solitude. And yet she walks boldly. She goes immediately down to Elizabeth where she has her elder aunt singing her praise and bowing, so to speak, in front of her. I mean, think about how that situation, this young maid who suddenly has her elder aunt saying, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And she stays with her for three months. She doesn't allow the limitations of her human vision to cloud the truth that she has received from God. Well, you too have received a vision from God. You too have heard the good news. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and there is no power on the earth that can overcome the power of his resurrection and that his glory is laid up for you in heaven and that he has called you to dare great things for him and that you are to call to, to confront the powers of this world and to not bow down in front of the, the fear that is being spread in your culture or in your families. You're called to bring light and to bring peace and to bring God. Well, then where are you with that? Why aren't you walking with that vision? Why do we act like the people who control the secular media or who control secular politics are somehow bigger than God? Why do we allow the economic forces that are on the outside of us to suddenly get us so afraid that we think our lives will be ruined if our business fails? Your life will not be ruined if your business fails. Everybody, you won't. Your life will be changed. It'll be altered on the outside. But you know what else will happen? On the inside, there's going to be a deeper fire, a deeper drive, something more wonderful that's going to come out of you because you're going to rise to meet that challenge because you refuse to let go of the vision 
that faith gives you the light of the truth of God's victory. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. Yes, it's very true to say that Mary is a woman of vision. She, she's a vision. Her vision is dictated by God in his light. And that vision summons her to do something about it. And this is where Our Lady really demonstrates for us great audacity, right? You've got vision and you've got daring. The vision that God gives to her summons her to respond. And the difference is that vision remains something inside of you. I know, I see the way to be. Yeah, but if you actually act according to that vision, it's going to cost you something. Your life starts to actually change. You'll never get the time back that you gave away because of the vision that you had in your mind, what you saw, what you knew you needed to do. And the further that you go along, the more that your life becomes conformed to that vision. You become your choices. And Our Lady became her choice. Her choice was to step forward and not only say yes to the angel in her word, but in her body. As she gave birth, I mean, gave birth, and then took care of the body of Jesus Christ and his divine person. I mean, she was the mother of the Son of God. And, and mothering the Son of God, protecting him from the attacks of, the, of Herod, who tried to put him to death, bringing him to Egypt, bringing him to Jerusalem, bringing him to the temple, presenting him, naming him, circumcising him, and then serving him, feeding him, teaching him, smiling at him, caring for him. Mary demonstrates an incredible audacity in all of this. I mean, when, when Elizabeth says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? How many of us, when we've been given opportunities to influence, to, to do something wonderful, have actually balked at it? I mean, we're scared. We don't know what it's going to mean. And my life might change. I mean, like it'd be so much easier if I just didn't. I don't run for the president of that group. I don't take over this initiative because in the end, I just don't want to put up with it anymore or what the risk might be for this or that aspect of my life. And Mary throws everything into the fire of God's love. Mary just goes forward. She's like, I'll let my entire life be consumed for him. She dares something amazing. She puts herself at a service and that daring flows over in a life that's really spelled out by grit. There's no other way to put it. I don't know where we get in our minds. A lot of us as Catholics kind of imagine the Virgin Mary's life as being an easy one. You know, she, maybe it's because she always looks so good in those statues, you know. <laughs> she's always, her flowers always in bloom and she's always you know, sitting there looking just so wonderful, you know. But in, her life was not made of statues. She was a real woman who lived in the real heat of her day and who really had to, to confront people and circumstances that were directly opposed to what she was called to do in her own mission of following God. I'll give you just, just an example. John 7, Jesus has gone back to his home and he's there with, with his family 
And the brothers of Jesus, his, his cousins, is how you need to interpret that, they said, listen, you're doing it wrong. So the Virgin Mary is sitting there watching. At this time, Jesus has just, he's filled, he's just filled 5,000 people with bread. He's announced that he's the bread of life. He's already healed people, raised people from the dead, healed their sick. I mean, this guy's incredible. And yet his kin back home are going to sit around and tell him you're doing this wrong. You know. And then it has that incredibly tragic line in there. In verse 5, it says, for not even his brethren believed in him. The Virgin Mary had to live in a circumstance where her own family wasn't believing. And her son who was born from her very womb and whom she conceived, you know, under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just, and yet she had to live and move in an environment where she was believing even though her own kin did not. And again, this is in an Israel that was supposed to be waiting for the Messiah and when the Messiah finally comes, they don't seem to be interested in him. There's not enough room in the inn. The leader of Israel sends them into Egypt because he's trying to kill him, lest he depose him from his throne, right? John the Baptist gets beheaded in the time frame. When the Messiah comes preaching, the people don't want to hear his message, and so forth and so on. The disbelief that surrounded the Lord and his proclamation led Mary, I mean, what it was her response? She went deeper and demonstrated the grit that all of us need to demonstrate in our own following of Christ. It was not easy for her. It even took her all the way to the foot of the cross where she watched her son die at the hands of bullies and at the hands of corrupt people, falsely accused, lied about, tortured, and then put to death on the cross in front of her, and she stood right there, not leaving her post for a moment. Where did we ever get the idea that our faith was supposed to be easy and comfortable? Where did we ever get the idea that the threats that are around us all the time somehow shouldn't be there? The life of the Virgin Mary is that that vision that she received from the angel, that word of God, of his saving presence sent to this world, required an audacity of leadership from her as she staked her life on it. And that audacity of leadership in Mary was spelled out and led forth in a life of grit and determination to not let go. She therefore is a pattern for us in our own day and age to do the same and to lead this world by daring great things for Christ. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.